Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening right now to the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we are giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is. I'm telling you, friend, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, do not delay except Christ today. Hallelujah. He loves you, and he's after you, and he wants you to be a part of what he's doing right now. And, may, and maybe you know him, but you've been a little slippy, slidey backwards. Get off the couch, friend. Get right in the middle of what he is doing. He wants to reveal to you the reason why you are alive today. And I'm telling you, if you've always wondered, man, what is my life purpose? I'm telling you, the work that he is turning our attention to right now, the work that's in the field right, right now, is the reason why you were born. Suit up, friends, and let's get in there with everybody else, and let's get some stuff done for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let's jump right into the podcast today. I've got something on my heart that I want to share uh, with you today. And uh, at the church, of course, I, I pastor a church in Harrison, Arkansas, Grace City Church. Check us out, gracecitychurch.tv. That's our website. Or facebook.com forward slash GCC Harrison. Anyways, we've been looking at uh, double portion anointings. And in the era in which we are in right now, there's something available to us. And I don't want to take a rabbit trail here. I know I normally do, but um, I don't want to go too far anyways off the main trail. But, you know, there, there, there's something being made available to us right now. It's an increase, come on, in the anointings that are upon us. There's a double portion anointing that's available for us to walk in. And we want to talk about that. And But there's some requirements. And uh, remember in Joshua, he said, you've never been this way before. Uh, but you're going this way now. And then he added this. He said, consecrate yourself. And there's a consecration that is uh, upon us. And if we'll yield to it and be enthusiastic about it, then the tremendous results of that consecration will come upon us and empower us. And we will move, come on, in dimensions of the anointing uh, maybe nobody's ever seen yet. And it, it's not because you and I are special. It's because we're in the fullness of the times. Hallelujah. And everything's coming into fullness, even the anointings. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm getting excited already. But uh, let's let's look at this. Let's dive into this. So, uh, and if you want some of the backstory, you can go to uh, facebook.com forward slash GCC Harrison, and you can watch some of the messages that I've been doing on this very topic. But we're saying that there, or have been saying that there is a price to pay to walk in what Jesus has made available. Now, it's not a price of hardship or deprivation, but there is a cost. There is a price, and a lot of moderns don't like this because they feel like they're entitled. Even spiritual moderns, they feel like they're entitled, right? Listen, your parents, my, my parents, our grandparents, our spiritual mothers and fathers did labor significantly to make something available to us. But you and I have our part to play. You and I have our cost, so to speak, to be able to take advantage of what they have provided, what they have laid up for us to reap. And uh, so this, there is a cost, and, you, and you, you cannot forget that. You know, part of what he was telling Joshua is, I'm, I'm going to do wonders among you tomorrow. But he said today, the cost to be involved in that is to consecrate yourself today. And so humility is a part of that price. Uh, consecration 
is a part of that price. Self-control is a part of that price. Quick to obey is part of that price. And I think we'll get into it today, but consecrating the tongue is a significant part of that price. But listen, friends, whatever the price is, it's a bargain. Or we could say it the other way, and it's a bargain at whatever price. Uh, you know, if you've ever seen something that you really wanted and it was on sale, do you do you know how you kind of like jumped at it? You, you were like, are you kidding me? I know what this is worth, or at least it's valuable to me, and they've got it marked down, maybe even 50% off. Remember how you how you scary to grab that item before somebody else got it because it was on sale and it was a significant discount? Listen, if you truly value what the Lord is doing in our day, then when he says, here's the cost to be involved, listen, friend, it's a discounted price. Now, he's not discounting the goods, but he's made the price, come on, well within your means to purchase. If you will value that which he is doing, you should jump on paying the price to get in it. Um, so we've crossed over, come on, into a different era. And there is a work associated with the moment in which we live. I've said this many times. I'll say it again. Uh, remember, Paul said he didn't consider it grievous to write to you again or to repeat himself. Rep repetition is, is good. You need to hear it because faith cometh by hearing. But there is a work associated with the moment in which you and I live. In John 4, we find out that Jesus places us in our labors. You don't choose your work, and you don't choose the time in which you are laboring. Therefore, you don't choose the labor at which you've been assigned to. And the work has a lot to do with the time. You know, if we were going to look at it from an uh, agricultural standpoint, that parable was used often. Uh, there's a time of sowing and a time of reaping. Jesus said, I placed you in the time of reaping. And if you don't awake to your work, you're, you're going to be trying to sow in the wrong season. It's reaping time, not sowing time. Others sowed, you're reaping. And so we need to wake up to the time in which we live. Ask Jesus to help bring clarity to our work for this time. Now, in particularly, since you and I are crossed over into a different era, some things are different. And a lot of people uh, want to still maintain the, the uh, tooling and whatnot that they used in the last season or the last era. But there's a um, different requirements now. And while some of the tools may be similar, there's a stronger grace and anointing upon their working now. And so he's saying, look, you've got to, you've got to double down now because the power is being dialed up. And you can't be as sloppy as you were in the last era or you're going to hurt somebody. Hallelujah. And we want to help people. So we are to receive the prophetic vision or the blueprints of what we are building into, what we're laboring, what our labor is part of, so that we can be faithful in our work and assignment. Now listen, we don't want to miss our time of visitation. Let's go here real quick in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And what a privilege uh, we, um, we are experiencing to be invited in to the work, uh, to be really on the forefront of what he's uh, doing in this time. You've been invited into that. What, what a privilege to be uh, considered, to be uh, approached and said, hey, would you come work in the fields? Wow, what an honor. If you'll see it as such, it is such an honor. And we should just throw to the wayside whatever else we were doing. Remember when Jesus was inviting people to come and follow him, many made excuses 
And he said, look, no, no, no. This is not a time to be making excuses. Don't miss your moment of visitation. Don't pass up your opportunity to be right on the forefront of what Jesus is doing. And uh, let's talk about missing the time of visitation. Don't miss your time of visitation. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one, the Amplified says this. However, brethren, I could not talk to you as spiritual men, but as to non-spiritual men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates. He said, I could only speak to you as mere infants in the new life in Christ, unable to even talk yet. Now that's, that's, a, that's a mouthful and that's a hard word. But uh, notice what, what happened here. Here was not only the Holy Ghost, but here was Paul who came to them and he wanted to talk to them about spiritual things. But when he got among them, he realized, uh, or when he was praying uh, about them, you know, of course he wrote this letter here, so he wasn't uh, literally present at that moment, but here, here he comes before them and he could have and would have and wanted to minister to them spiritual things, but instead he had to go back to the beginning lessons. He had to go back to the ABCs, which are not uh, wrong, which isn't wrong. And from time to time, you and I need to revisit to make sure our foundations are not cracked. Come on, our foundations are strong, Uh, but, but they missed something. They had an opportunity, had they been ready, had they been doing their due diligence prior to this, at this moment, something spiritual, something significant could have been delivered to them, but they missed that moment of visitation. Why? Because they were carnal. They were acting like mere men. They were non-spiritual. Again, Paul came to bring a message that would enlighten them, to bring them up into a greater measure of the things of God, but rather he had to start again at the basics. Listen, when anointed ministers, uh, mighty mighty men and women, Uh, of God, mighty men and women in the spirit, even the Holy Spirit himself, when they come by, uh, like if they came to your church, are they able to impart into you? Or would they have to, quote, water it down or dumb it down for you or for your congregation? Don't miss, friends, your time of visitation. You you need to be... uh, developing yourself. You, you, you need to be disciplining yourself to be ready in season. And I'm telling you, you don't want to miss the season that is upon us. You want to get out there. You want to go up, get, get your uniform, get dressed up and get out in the field. Hallelujah. And when the master comes around, when his men and women are moving around, things in the spirit are getting done. Make sure they see you in the field laboring. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. Now, we've said this over the last several weeks or over the last several months probably now uh, at our church. We've been, we've been dealing with this subject of the era in which we are living in and the work associated with this era and some of the endowments, the spiritual endowments that will be um, upon us in this era. And uh, we've been saying, we've been going back and, and looking at different men and women uh, over, you know, gosh, decades, uh, who saw a time where even the offices, like Ephesians chapter four, where, this, where the um, 
Christ's gifts to the church, those offices would be functioning at 100% of their potential power and authority. One minister said that he saw the gifts of the Spirit, that there was a time he was seeing into the Spirit, into the future, and he was seeing this time where even the gifts of the Spirit would be demonstrated at 100%. Now, now I'm using these percentages, and we're assuming that we could quantify them, Uh, but uh, let me explain that even my spiritual grandfather, Kenneth E. Hagin, he said that the highest percentage, if he could quantify it, the highest percentage that he operated in in the offices and his two primary offices were the office of the prophet and the office of the teacher. He said the highest that he walked in in those offices uh, was about 70%. That's if he could quantify it, if we could say it like, like that, meaning he believed that there was more to this demonstration, but just due to the nature of where the people were at, what the Lord was doing, where he was at, his, his understanding, et cetera. There's a lot of factors involved here, but he said it's, it, it seemed like the highest was 70%, uh, 70%. But he spoke of a time, though, where there would be a significant increase in the working of the Spirit through us. He said this, those positioned to be workers in the field in the last days will have upon them as a uniform that which clothes them as they go about father's business it will be a great spirit of seeing and knowing this endowment will give way to great faith and great faith will be the cause of great demonstrations manifestations and signs and wonders hallelujah notice what he was saying that there would be a time even amy simple mcpherson the very first message she gave she was young i don't remember if she was 17 or 18 she was young it was somewhere around there but the very first message she gave a prophetic unction came upon her. She prophesied to a time where everything that the canker worm uh, and the locust uh, and the caterpillar, everything that those uh, uh, oppositions, that strategy of the devil to steal, kill, and destroy, but everything that had been robbed or hindered would be restored in fullness. Hallelujah. She saw that, and she meant that was her very first message and she wrote a book about it and she outlined how the gifts of the spirit would be restored that the five-fold offices would be restored to their fullness hallelujah well guess what we're in the time of fullness we are in the time of fullness the last days the end of days is another way of saying the fullness of the times or maturity things are coming into their full demonstration hallelujah you and i are living in those times recently i was listening to uh Nancy Dufresne, and uh, she was talking about the double portion anointing, and specifically, she said, it is available for us in this era. Now, of course, we want the double portion, and we want that increase that is to be part and parcel, the integrated, essential, and integral aspect of not only our personal ministry, but the, uh, but the broader ministry of the body of Christ. So that's, that includes you, it includes me. Hallelujah. The Lord said this about walking in a, quote, double portion, or we could say this, it's the inheritor's or son's portion of the anointing. When Elisha asked for a double portion, he asked for a hard thing. It would be hard in this sense. It would be hard on the flesh. Notice he said it was hard, but not impossible. It would be hard on the flesh. It would require a hardness and intolerance 
towards his mind and flesh if he were to carry a double portion. It pleases God, though, to bless you with this anointing. But then it must also be pleasing to you to bring yourself in line with the responsibilities associated. Let me say that one more time. Because it pleases God, friends. Uh, If this is to be part and parcel, if it's to be the uniform, as it were, that we wear as we go about Father's business, it pleases him to uh, minister this endowment upon us, but it must also be pleasing to you and me to bring ourselves in line with the responsibilities associated. Jesus said this, my yoke is easy and light. Uh, This that you have inquired about, the double portion, can be accomplished with lightness and ease as you give yourself to focusing on two main things. Number one, feeding and meditating on the word. And number two, prayer and fellowship with God. Those are staples. And we're going to have to double down into those uh, things in this era. Jesus went on to say, doing these two things will help you to keep the door closed to the mind and the flesh through which Satan and his strategies gain entrance into your life. There is no burden to the responsibilities of the anointings. And don't make one up. And don't put in your mouth some strategy of the devil uh, talking about how hard, how, how difficult, uh, how burdensome the responsibility, uh, responsibilities to the anointings are. That's a strategy against you. You need to take those things out of your mouth. You need to renew your mind to what Jesus said. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. Jesus said, there is no burden to the responsibilities of the anointings. As you take up your cross to follow me, that cross will lift you into the lightness and ease of my flow. Jesus said, I never conducted my earthly life as being under a burden of the price I was to pay. Hallelujah. Oh, friends, whatever the cost is a bargain. You need to snatch it up, friends. Hallelujah. Now, the Lord, and this is where I'm going to zero in here on this particular podcast. The Lord began to talk about what will be additionally required. Come on, additionally required in this era to walk out, walk in, walk under, and to fulfill um, the mission and mandate with this double portion anointing upon us. And what he means by additional is because Walking in faith is still required. The just shall live by faith. That's still required. Uh, not violating the love command is still required. Mark eleven twenty five, forgiving others is still required. There are things that we have been taught over the years. He's adding to them. He's uh, highlighting the importance of certain disciplines that go along with the double portion anointings. All right. This is what Jesus said. He said this. He said to walk accurately and in the fullness of this era and season. Here we go. Number one. So in order to walk accurately and in the fullness. Come on. We want fullness. It's the time of fullness. We we need to go after fullness. But to walk accurately and in the fullness of this era and season. Number one. Do not misspeak under the anointing. Do not misspeak under the anointing. Jesus said, bring great consecration 
to the tongue and speech. Do not speak lightly, inappropriately, or with exaggeration. Only truth can be in your mouth. For God and his power only flow through truth. Remember, Jesus said, I only said what I heard my father say. You have the help you need for this task with the tongue through Holy Spirit. Choose to have a guard set over over your mouth. Choose to have your tongue tamed by reliance upon Holy Spirit's help and power. No man can tame the tongue. Remember that in James? It will require help by Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Father. So the Lord said that the tongue must be specifically included in our consecration because we cannot separate the tongue from the direction our life goes. James says it was like a rudder on a ship and it will turn you in a direction. I mean, look at this massive ship and it can be adjusted by this little rudder in comparison to the rest of the ship. And he's saying that's like the tongue. It will it, it will steer you and you need to be steered in the right direction. So Jesus said, do not misspeak, bring consecration to the tongue. This is one of the additions, if, if, if you will, that we will prioritize like we prioritize faith, like we prioritize love, like we prioritize forgiveness. We need to also prioritize the taming of our tongue. Proverbs 18, 21, the Amplified Classic says death and life are in the power or the hand or the authority, other translations say, of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. Now listen, this is, um, there's, two, there's two possibilities here. And no matter which direction you take, it's a law, you will eat the fruit of it. You need to get your tongue moving you in the right direction. Make sure that you're speaking life so that your future is full, come on, of the fruit of your tongue, life, blessing, good things, not bad things. Uh, you know, there's a friend of mine that shares this testimony often as he's just coming to a greater and greater understanding and revelation that he's walking in today things that he said yesterday, you know, yesterday's, yesteryear that the reality of the confession of his mouth he's living into right now. Listen, it is a law. And there has been uh, such mercy that the power has been dialed down on these things, but the power is being dialed up now. And Jesus is giving us advanced warning. He's given us strategic opportunity here, uh, letting us know in advance that, listen, the power is getting dialed up in these things. And you're going to have to put a watch over your mouth or I won't be able to use you. It'll hold you back. You won't walk in the double portion if you can't control your tongue. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The New Living Translation, Proverbs 18:21 in the New Living says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That's good or bad, friend. Make a decision today to discipline yourself, to only speak life, have truth in your mouth. Get a hold of that tongue and begin to speak the will of God specifically concerning you, but then to be in position that God can use you to bring forth his will, his word into the earth. Hallelujah. Proverbs ten nineteen says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, 
but he who restrains his lips is wise. The Passion Translation says, if you keep talking, it won't be long before you're saying something really wrong. Prove you're wise from the start. Bite your tongue and be strong. I like how the um, Passion adds that nuance to it, that it will require great strength to bring control to the tongue. Listen, friends, don't miss your visitation because of your weakness as it concerns the discipline of your tongue. Hallelujah. Psalm 141, verse 3. Psalm chapter 141, verse 3. It says, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Now, uh, one, one translation says, set a guard, O Lord. It's almost as if he's asking the Lord. But we found out in the New Testament that that's your responsibility now. You are responsible for uh, maintaining self-control as it concerns the mouth, the lips, and the words that come out. The Living Bible says, help me, Lord, to keep my mouth shut and my lips sealed. Hallelujah. Uh, help us. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever guards his mouth and keeps, uh, excuse me, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. You know, people have um, created a lot of troubles for themselves because they couldn't control their mouth. Uh, they are experiencing unnecessary difficulties because of the lies that they have spoken. Proverbs 29, 20 in the Passion says, there's only one kind of person who is worse than a fool. Wow, that's pretty hard in and of itself. One kind of person who's worse than a fool the impetus one who speaks without thinking first. Listen, the Lord's saying, I want you to get up into the double portion. I want you to get up into that operation of the offices and the gifts of the Spirit where they are going to be at 100%. But he says, you've got to get a hold of the tongue. You've got to consecrate yourself. This is one of the additions. Okay, This is next level discipline. You've got to discipline your tongue. Hallelujah. A consecrated tongue uh, would then call for a disciplined thought life. A consecrated tongue calls for a disciplined thought life. Let's talk about that. It's one thing to not speak everything that comes to your mind, but you will also need to put parameters on what is allowable for you to think on. Don't meditate on just anything and everything. Here's something that I've learned from one of our uh, pastors on staff, Pastor Christina, and uh, she has this uh, wisdom that she has shared with folks for several years now, and it, is, it has blessed me, and I want to share it with, with you. Here it is. Have no opinion where you have no responsibility. Have no opinion where you have no responsibility. We could also add this, this word, have no opinion where you have no authority. Don't let your mind wander over onto and camp out on someone else's territory. You might be trespassing. Romans 14, 4 says, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Now, we need to ask ourselves questions because it is true that within the partnerships, the alliances, the alignments, 
where God has joined you. Uh, if you look at Ephesians 4, 16, different people are joined together. And at those joints, at those knitting locations, there's a supply that is transferred. You have responsibility in those areas. Uh, several uh, scriptures, I'm thinking of one right now where he says, make sure that no one is living among you in immorality, in fornication, in adultery, in lewdness. There's admonitions that wherever you are linked together, you have a responsibility uh, to hold each other accountable. And uh, remember where it says, confess your sins one to another. We're not talking about some random stranger. In, 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 in the real uh, operation of that, you are confessing your sins to the ones where you are directly connected and your sin has affected them. Those are the people that you you want to confess to and say, man, look, I am so so sorry. My lack of integrity or my lying or my lewdness, you know, my sin has affected you. You know, you're not calling up some stranger on the other side of the world and confessing your, your sins. That's ridiculous. There's no way they can hold you accountable. We're talking about where God has joined together, wherever he's placed you in the body. When you've done something wrong and you have affected the people that are associated with you, and they have seen what you've done or suffer the consequences of what you've done. The uh, sin that you've committed has affected people, willingly or unwillingly, knowingly or unknowingly. When you come to the knowledge of that, you repent of those folks. Now, the, that area, those relationships, those connections there is where there is a heightened sense of accountability. You're not digging through people's business being, you know, nosy, but, but their actions affect you and you have every right. In fact, you're admonished to make sure that people are doing the right things in love and in gentleness, okay? Uh, but as far as another man's servant, if you don't have responsibility there, again, if, if you're not connected through partnership, uh, through alliances, through alignments, you're not covenantal, uh, covenantally connected, the Lord hasn't placed you within that grouping of people or whatever, then you may not have uh, any right to speak up and say anything into that situation. It, it In that sense, it's, it's beyond you, and it's none of your business because there are other people who are assigned. There are other people there who are responsible for what's going on in that environment. If you are not uh, uh, involved, then you have no authority, and therefore you don't need to uh, put an opinion on it. Okay? I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I believe it does. Ask yourself, do I have responsibility in or around this situation. If God's put me here, then you uh, most likely, you have responsibility in and around that particular situation. Uh, I have been involved in uh, some things over, uh, over this last year, and I've had to evaluate the scope. Uh, I've had to ev evaluate the level and the depth of my responsibility in that situation uh, in order to speak into it or evaluate which areas do I need to move away from and have no opinion because I have no authority. Uh, somebody said this, that uh, uh, really, if you have responsibility in a situation, you don't have opinions anyway. Uh, 
you have decisions. Let me say that again. If you have responsibility in or around a particular situation, you don't have opinions. You have decisions, and that's what you need to do. You need to be making decisive decisions based on the word, based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. You are not, uh, really, you don't have the freedom just to have an opinion. You have a responsibility to make a decision. Hallelujah. So, um, consecrate your thought life. A lot of people, and the reason why I bring all that up, because a lot of people have no control over their thought life. They're thinking on things they don't need to be thinking on. They're trespassing in people's business they don't need to be trespassing in. Get a hold of yourself. And when you get a hold of your mind, then you can steady it, keeping, keep your mind stayed or steadied on things above, not on things on the earth. And when it comes to the happenings in the world, uh, there are a lot of things that you can get distracted with. There's all kinds of uh, works of iniquity and works of darkness that shouldn't even be named. Remember what Paul said there? Some things you know are going on, but you don't need to meditate on it. Uh, just put your mind on things above, ask the Lord to lead you, guide you, and say, I will say whatever you have me say. I'll do whatever you have me do. You point me in the right direction. You uh, illuminate and highlight the, the plow onto which I'm to uh, grab on with my hands, and I will be faithful in what you are calling me to do. Hallelujah. And he may have you address darkness head, head on. He may have you address sin head on. Wherever he has given you responsibility, that's where, you, that's where you will be empowered to make decisive decisions. Hallelujah. So guard what comes out of your mouth. And to do that, we'll need to protect our thought life. Say this with me. My thought life is disciplined. Say, my tongue is therefore disciplined. I don't let my mind trespass into someone else's business unrelated to my responsibility and authority. Again, if you have responsibility in an area, then do everything you do to the glory of God. Hallelujah. You bring the word in season based on his unction and leading, and don't you be intimidated about it. Remember the Lord said, he said, do not misspeak under the anointing. Now, here's something that we need to check up on. If we misspeak, in what we may say our ordinary daily lives, and really at home is the real test. Whatever you're saying at home is the real test. But if we misspeak at home, we will most likely misspeak while we're uh, under the anointing. Uh, if you're a minister, if you misspeak at home, you're probably going to misspeak from the pulpit. Uh, if you're, you know, not a minister and just a believer, a uh, part of the body of Christ, but you have no control over your tongue at home, you're not going to have control over it in public. Um, if you do kind of restrain yourself in public uh, because you're trying to put on airs, then you're a hypocrite. You need to get it taken care of at home where nobody sees but maybe your family, and you're probably taking advantage of their familiarity, and so you're saying things you don't need to be saying even at home stuff coming out of your mouth that your spouse should never hear you say, uh, advantages that you are taking, um, you know, around your kids saying things, 
cussing, being dirty, telling dirty jokes, saying things you would never say if your pastor was there, let alone if you knew Jesus was standing there. You taking advantage of people. You were stomping, uh, uh, crushing the uh, honor of the situation by taking advantage, thinking that, you know, they're just going to have to take you or leave you. You're abusing the familiarity of, of the situation by saying things at home around your spouse or your kids you should not be saying. You need to get that cleaned up. Get it cleaned out, friend. He's calling you to a higher place. And there's going to be very little tolerance for that kind of stuff. Listen, he sees, he knows. It doesn't matter if you're by yourself. He sees, he knows. And he's evaluating how he's going to maneuver his body. He's evaluating uh, those that he can trust to dial the power up. Be one of those, friends. Be one of those. Contend for this. Do whatever you need to do. Pay the price. It's worth it. Come on, he's discounted the price for such a uh, invaluable opportunity. I, I, I mean, it's priceless. But you're 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 going to have to get a hold of yourself, a hold of your tongue, and a hold of your thought life. Hallelujah. Obviously, um, we want to only say what we hear him say. Hallelujah. You know and since I touched on it, honor your spouse enough to where you'll only say what you hear father say. Have, have, have great honor uh, for the ears of your spouse that you just won't let yourself say things that are unnecessary. They're clutter words. They're idle words. They fill up the space with tension and strife and chaos that are unnecessary discipline yourself to say things to your spouse that would be a blessing that would impart grace to the hearers or your children don't abuse your children by talking negatively about the church don't abuse your children and bind their future by talking negatively about pastors or spiritual leaders or the things of the spirit or things you don't understand don't abuse your children and cut their legs out uh, from underneath them by cursing what God is doing. That's child abuse for the, for the believer. When you talk negative about healing, listen, your child one day is going to need to be healed. But if you badmouth and demonize and talk negative uh, about the things of the Spirit, gifts of healings, if you say those things don't happen anymore, you put something in your children you're going to be held responsible for. Don't do that. Don't do that to your spouse. One day your spouse is going to need to be healed. One day your spouse is going to need to hear from God. One day your spouse is going to need you to be somebody that's going to be a stalwart figure in their life. Don't abuse them by, by being so loose, by, saying, by being so irresponsible, careless with your words. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. Right here, let's close and we'll look at this thought here. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I hope you're getting some out of this today. Uh, if, you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Look it up on your phone. Look at this, Hebrews 3, 1. Let's, let's close with this thought here. Remember, Jesus said, bring consecration to the tongue and mouth. Now, this is only if you want to walk in the fullness of the double portion anointings. And if you don't, then this isn't for this isn't for you for for you. But if you do, 
Hallelujah. If you want to get out there and get some stuff done for your king, he is highlighting our work. He, he, he is illuminating the uniform we're to wear while we finish father's business. This is some of the restraint that he's saying is key. It's essential to walking in the fullness of the times. Uh, Hebrews 3.1, he says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. This is very interesting because he's the apostle and high priest. Let me give you just a real simple generic uh, enlightenment to the function of apostles, the apostolic. Uh, they carry blueprints. Jesus is the apostle. Remember Paul said, he said, we're a master builder and we have blueprints. And he said, be watchful how you build. You got to build according to the pattern. You got to build according to the blueprint. Well, Jesus, the great apostle, come on. He's the first one who has been given blueprint uh, information, revelation, un understanding of how things work in the spirit by the father. He's been given the blueprints. Come on for the bride, the building and the body. And he delegates portions of that blueprint to other apostolic function. These men and women, they know how to build. That's what they've been tasked with. They have blueprint level revelation knowledge on an area, a thing, a region, a situation. Um, they have been uh, called and appointed and anointed and ordained and positioned and then given uh, access to blueprint information. And then they are raising up others who know how to build. Hallelujah. They are sent in this sense they are sent on behalf of the heavenly father and sent to call forth the gathering of the ecclesia the legislative assembly and to uh reveal to them blueprint level information so that the ecclesia can then begin to build bind and loose they begin can begin to bring form and shape to the blueprints to the pattern hallelujah so Jesus is the apostle, and guess what he's doing? He is giving us uh, our confession. What is he helping us to do? To build our confession. He is looking at the blueprints, and he is helping us to fashion and form our confession. Now, a basic, very generic definition of confession is to say the same thing as who are we to say the same thing after jesus he's the apostle and he's got revelation knowledge of what you and i need to be saying he's looking at the blueprint if you will if we could say it like that and he's saying hey justin hey all you believers everybody listening to grace for the city podcast you need to be saying this i'm your apostle I've got blueprint level revelation knowledge specifically that concerns you from heavenly father. Hallelujah. And if you'll say this, oh, it'll begin to build. And he's helping us. He's helping us. He's orchestrating. He's authorizing. He's giving you the script as it were. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. When Holy Spirit says, um, or when Holy Spirit gives you something to say, say it. <laughs> Come on, hallelujah. Remember, Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. That's the posture. Uh, we're imitating that. We're saying, look, I don't know what to say. Uh, I don't know what to say until I have access to the blueprint. 
So Holy Spirit, help me say something here. What do I say? I have, I have brought my tongue into great consecration and I'm not gonna speak against the heavenly blueprint. What do I say in this situation? Holy Spirit will give you what to say. When he gives you something to say, don't change it into your own words. Listen, Jesus is the apostle. He's the master builder of your confession. When that's revealed to you, don't change it into your own words. Don't alter it into something else. Listen, um, unless he builds the house, he that labors, labors in vain. Your words are building something. But I'm telling you, if you're, if you're not getting your words off of the blueprint, now I'm talking about specifically the blueprint, uh, David, uh, revealed to us in his writings, Holy Spirit revealed it to us, that there was a book that had all the days of David's life written in it. Listen, don't build some other building. Get the blueprints of your life. Jesus, the apostle, he has blueprints. He will give you the words to say that will build according to the pattern, specifically as it concerns you. And then in other areas where he invites you into helping him build a thing by prophetic decree, by the life or death in the power of the tongue, things are being torn down, sometimes necessarily in order to rebuild. But he is orchestrating what we are saying. He is orchestrating life. He is orchestrating judgment. Some things will be condemned in the sense of uh, like a condemned building that, uh, hey, that has to come down. That, it doesn't need to be established there. That was something from the enemy. Tear that thing down to its roots. Pull it up out of the ground. And then what? Speak this, which will do what? Replant a thing, establish the foundation, and then words will begin to build into the structure. Don't change a thing into your own words. Restrain yourself, discipline yourself, wait till Holy Spirit gives you something to say, and then speak according to the blueprint. Uh, John 16, 13, even the Holy Spirit does this. He says this, Jesus says this, speaking of Holy Spirit, he said, however, when he, Holy Spirit, which is also called right here, the spirit of truth, when he has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak his own message. Hello, Holy Spirit does not even speak his own message. Why are you, or wh why am I going around making stuff up, speaking our own message? Don't do that. No, we're restraining ourselves. Why? Because we want to pay the price to get on into a double portion flow of the spirit of seeing and knowing and revelation knowledge and revelation gifts and in the spirit of wisdom and knowledge in the revelation of him, Christ, Jesus. There's a price to pay, and it's restraining. It's restraining our tongue. So he says, even Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, he doesn't speak his own. He doesn't speak on his own authority. He doesn't speak his own message. But whatever he hears, he speaks, and he will tell you things to come. You and I are expected to say the same thing, to not deliver our own message, 
But as a representative, one who is sent on behalf of another, we are to only deliver and say what we hear him say. Don't alter or change the message someone gives you to deliver to another. Hallelujah. Don't alter or change the message Holy Spirit reveals concerning you, let alone someone else. I mean, obviously not for someone else, but, 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 but for you too, because as you're reading through the word, Holy Spirit is, is illuminating things. He's, uh, the Bible says in James that the word is your mirror. It, it, don't worry about anybody else right now. The word is your mirror and you're to look into that mirror and promises are being revealed. You are being revealed. The word is revealing you. Hallelujah. Don't alter or change what Holy Spirit is revealing to you, giving you the words of life. Don't alter or change them because you feel unworthy or whatever. You're going to shoot yourself in your own foot. You're going to blow your own feet off. Don't do that. Just say what you hear Holy Spirit say. And if he begins to reveal to you things to come, don't dilute it because you feel bad about it. Don't dilute the promises of lands, buildings, homes, businesses, finances. Don't dilute the promises of walking in the things of the spirit, fruits of the spirit. Don't dilute the promise that you're going to be conformed into the image of Christ Jesus. Don't dilute those promises. Say, come on, bring great discipline and consecration to the tongue and say what you hear him say. He is your apostle. He is your uh, master builder. He has committed, covenanted himself to build you according to the pattern, according to the blueprint he's in possession of. Do not alter what you hear him say and do not say anything other than than what you hear him say. Listen, friends, the power is being dialed up in these operations. And uh, we're going to see great and mighty and tremendous displays in this time that we are living in. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, thank you for it. Thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to the Grace for This City podcast. I'm Justin. Thank you so much for joining me today. Listen, if we can agree with you along these lines, uh, in prayer. It says that if two would touch anything, it would be done for them by the Father in heaven. If you need some prayer agreement, that's one way that we can uh, partner with you. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv, or you can call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. But we would love to partner with you in prayer. I want to give a big thanks to people who have supported the uh, podcast financially and also with your prayers listen we covet your prayers if, if you would at least consider this consider partnering with the podcast by praying for us and praying that the word will get out to the uh, people that really need it the most hallelujah uh, or if you also want to take it to the next step uh, if you want to support the podcast several ways that you could do that you can go to the website gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give if you're in the United States, you can text to give 84321, follow the prompts, or you can mail a check to us, P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, friends, for tuning in. And until next time, be blessed.